Yo, what's good? Countercurrents episode number 26, host Petey Steele. And Elena Torres. We are in a different building today. We're at the Arlington Draft it's House. It's good to be home. It is good to be home. And we have a very special guest today, Miss Eliza Skinner. Yay, it's me. Yay. <laughs> and you are in between shows I right am. now. Mm-hmm. You just did... The headlining spot, mm-hmm. and now you're taking a little break. Mm-hmm. So you, we're coming to you from the actual comedy show experience. How mm-hmm. are you feeling after this show? Do you feel ready for the next one? Yeah, yeah. Um, I fe- I feel good. I I'm a little a little tired because you know when you fly out and then perform that day, I feel like that day is a is a little bit of a slog. Uh, Especially LA is not close. Yeah, exactly. Um, but it's been a, it was a great crowd, and so it, w- it didn't feel like it was. Appreciate you doing it. I'd hate to be the headliner, do forty-five to an hour, and then have to talk to a couple of guys <laughs> like us, and then do it again. No Takes problem. a lot of stamina. Appreciate it. Yeah, it does. It. Thank you. Is it good to be home in uh, Richmond? That's where you hail from originally, right? Uh huh. Yeah, I'm from Richmond. Uh, yeah, I wish I was going to be able to get down there this trip, but I, I have to go straight back. Um, but is it? It is nice to be in virginia mm-hmm. and uh it, it's funny how familiar even like dc is just yeah. looking out the window of my hotel i'm like ah yeah every field trip mm-hmm. i know i know this yeah. place yeah. you remember when they used to promise you if you won like the geography be an all expense paid trip to washington and you're like no I'm getting fucking robbed <laughs> yeah. if i was smart you know? <laughs> yeah no I, I would just uh i remember coming up here and thinking that aaron space was a man's name yeah, I I'm remember. I'm going to too. to Mr. Aaron Spaces Museum. I that thought it makes was so a much <laughs> sense. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was a girl's name. Oh, like Aaron. Aaron E-R- E-R- yeah, E-R- it can be. It's one of those names. It could be either. We always learned about Christian McAuliffe because I was like five when Challenger exploded. So I was like, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's a it's an equal opportunity. Well, I was gonna say museum, but yeah, sure. Equal opportunity confusion. That's that's what it is. Exactly. Yeah. So how, tell us a little bit about your comedy journey. What brought you out to L.A.? There's always the L.A. versus New York factor. When did you start doing comedy? Walk us through. Uh, I started doing comedy um, in college. I started doing improv. And then I moved to New York and uh, I did improv there. And then I started, uh, most of my improv was musical improv, but really all kinds. Mm -hmm. Then I went from improv to sketch, from sketch to solo shows, solo to stand-up. And it was all pretty much a journey of having to um, get less and less props and organize fewer and fewer schedules. Because mm-hmm. when you're doing improv, you got to send all these emails. Like, can you rehearse this day? Can you mm-hmm. can you make this show? Mm-hmm. With stand up, I just show up. I'm yeah, all I need. It's, the best. it's much yeah. easier than all of those. I so even I s- make this guy Pete set up our podcast. Yeah, I don't <laughs> carry around memory cards. None of that shit. Nope. Nope. Just show up and go. You'll never indict me. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I started in New York, and then I moved out to LA. I kind of dabbled in it in New York because I was very established as an improviser there. Mm-hmm. So once I st- I was already doing a lot of uh, the more popular shows. You were um, with UCB, correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I did um, the whole dossier thing. Hmm? This time with my big guest, I did my homework. Normally oh, we just get thank you. Just be like, yeah, I saw you working at Quizno. <laughs> yeah. So it was my. Do- I had no idea I have a dossier. This is exciting on many levels. Um, but yeah, I did. I did uh, the UCB, and um, so once I started doing stand up, I was like, okay, I want to do that show. And mm-hmm. bookers would be like, 
what like improv you want to bring a piano and make up a song and I was like no no, no I, I do stand up now let me do it as a stand up and they'd be like oh, you're not good enough yet no you're new at that you have to go do a whole bunch of stand up shows before we'll book you and even after I started doing a whole bunch of shows they still just didn't really trust me mm-hmm. but then I moved out to LA and they were like what do you do and I was like I'm an improv I'm a stand up and they were like great you can do our show then and I just got to do a lot more shows and get better much quicker which I don't think is most people's experience with moving to LA I think usually you get it slows down progress that's what I've heard a lot I've had a few friends who were here you know doing Mm stand-up every day Mm -hmm. and that I lived in LA for a long time before I started doing comedy so I go kind of often for work and stuff and I went and I'll go and I'll see them in LA and they're like I don't need to do (laughs) stand-up I could just write and it's just like, how much stage time are you getting? A lot of times it's like, uh, once, twice a month, you know? Yeah, for me, what was key when I moved out there was that I started my own show with a friend of mine. Um, and we were both kind of at the same level with stand-up. Mm-hmm. And we were, we were established, but still learning. So having that every week meant we at least had that booked. And we had to generate a lot of new material because we'd have the same crowd coming over and over. Right. And we met a lot of comics, and so people knew who I was when I asked to do a set on theirs. So that helped me a lot. I think if I had just shown up and started trying to do open mics and booked shows, I, I probably wouldn't have gotten much stage time either. Where was the show for those of us that know? Um, we've moved it around a few different places. For the longest time, it was at a place called the Underground Annex, which was a little theater that we would rent out and just prayed we got enough paying audience members that we could right. pay for it. And we split the time with another guy who was doing another show. And it was um, Wilton just off of Sunset. So kind of like Koreatown a little bit? Almost. Not quite south enough for that. Like right. re- re- Hollywood. Okay. In the, in the thick of the All non-glamorous of Hollywood. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah. So, and then we ended up moving it to the Virgil, which is in uh, Silver Lake adjacent, sort I've of. I've been there, yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there. Nice. Yeah. And you think you'll stay in L.A. long term? Yeah, I think so. I mean, it's where I have to be for what I want to do. Right. For what I do. Like, there's not really another town to make TV and movies. Right, right. Mm. But I do like getting out of L.A. a lot and going on the road and traveling. And I, I think I would go crazy if I just just stayed there all year round. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't feel like you have L.A. sensibilities or anything? Um... Well, I don't know. I mean, I probably have some. I think everybody always has some of those things, even if they don't think they do. Mm-hmm. Like you just accidentally pick, pick them, them up. up. Yeah, where I'm like, well, I can't stand it if it's under 50 degrees. It's right, like right. <laughs> it's frostbite, stuff like that. But um, yeah, I don't feel like it's I'm super LA-ish. But I also feel like the idea of what a really LA person is has been so. It, I was just saying this to my friends. It, it's it's like a cartoon of what it really is, which I think happens with every town. Mm-hmm. Like when I lived in New York, I think people thought that New Yorkers were either freaks or bridge and tunnel people. Right. And like, no, they're just normal people who right. get egg sandwiches and have coffee and right, no right, big right. deal. Same thing in, in L.A. But there's a lot of people who buy crystals. That mm. is weird. <laughs> I don't do that. Yeah, a lot of people into the new agey type stuff. You don't yeah. get that in L.A. too much. 
Or the, are you saying you we do, we do, we do. New York? Yeah. See, I see that shit now in every city I go to. Really? Yeah, and I'm sick of it. I feel like every town's got too big a piece of Sedona. <laughs> and, you know, it's kind of personal because I recently, like most people just have an annoying aunt or something that mm-hmm. like, left the Episcopalian church mm-hmm, and got mm-hmm, into like mm-hmm. whatever. But like I had a friend die recently oh because no. they were too into all that fucking new agey stuff. And no way. they didn't take any Western solutions uh. for life. Lyme disease. Jeez. And, uh, you know, yeah. So I'm just kind of like, Arr. yeah. But I see it. Everybody's got a a Saint Elmo's fire they want to chase, for lack of a better analogy. And uh, well, I think people, I think humans like seek out spirituality and spiritual communities. And I think so many people have rejected organized religions. That that need that we have in us for like unanswered questions gets pointed at weird stuff now whether it's crystals or um aliens it's the same sort of having faith in something that they can't prove and it's odd that our weird little human bodies keep wanting to do that yeah agency (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. the thing that differentiates us all right well, we've gotten deep, and uh, <laughs> sorry, bring it back it's down bring it back to, to no, the that's surface. my fault. I, I do that too much. Um, I definitely though enjoyed your bit. I was watching some clips earlier on one of the late night shows when you were talking about getting on a ledge, and the big mm-hmm. fear is not, you know, will I fall, but will I jump? And mm-hmm. when I hold somebody's kid, it's not. Oh, will you, I you, drop you're the ruining baby. my ruining my bet. You're, you're just gonna tell my my punchline. I'm, I'm not butchering <laughs> it. I'm sorry. I, I wouldn't get. No, no, no. I, I was. I liked it a lot. Thank it, you. It was great because then I went to lunch right mm-hmm. afterward. I was working today, and I was in a pot bellies, and I saw somebody come in with seven kids. Wow. And of That's course, a lot of kids. Yeah, they couldn't, you know, take care of them or anything. That was, was it a loud pop belly? Shit show, <laughs> yeah. And um, I definitely had that in mind, and I was like, yeah, she's right. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think that, um, especially as a woman, not having kids and not wanting to have kids is something that I have to uh, explain to audiences mm-hmm. otherwise they're like oh no where are your babies <laughs> what oh, happened <laughs> and um so I, I think a lot of female comics end up having or in male comics too um single male comics once you get to a certain age like have have material about it um but yeah it's something the audience seems concerned about mm-hmm. or you feel that they're concerned about otherwise um unless you ha- have really strong material about stuff that has nothing to do unless you're not doing personal material at all then i think you don't have to but if you're talking about your life at some point they're like but who's there when you go home i know so hulu Hulu. (laughs) (laughs) you never have to feed it yeah you never have to clean up after it desire and i get that same speech and not just from parents you know Mm -hmm. but from people out in the world Mm -hmm. like Thought you didn't want me to be Genghis Khan anymore, you know? <laughs> what do you mean? Well, I mean, you know, he has like genetic ties oh, to yeah, something yeah, like yeah, a yeah, fifth yeah, of yeah. the whole world. Yeah. It's estimated or whatever. So, you know, I'm just a yeah. typical white male tyrant. So, mm-hmm. like, why the hell would they want another hologram going around? But people seem determined to say, oh, you know, once you meet that person, I'm, you know, you're going to change your whole yeah. shit. And I'm like, oh. I mean, I try to think of it as like, okay, you found something really, really good and it means a lot to you and you want to give everybody that good thing. Great, fine. But what I think a lot of people don't understand, people who who have that point of view don't understand is that like 
that's just what worked for you. Like all those people that are like, wow, you never know how great it is until it happens. I'm like, well, you'll never know how great it is to go to Paris with little planning <laughs> yeah. just because you feel like it. Yeah. And that's what that, that college tuition you're saving for, that's my freedom money. <laughs> and everybody has their advantage, you know? Yeah. So Yeah, this is something that actually Petey and I were talking about earlier today is that I mean, I'm married, but I get asked. The second you get married, I think people just like oh, yeah. to talk about your Which life. Which that is, I find, really dangerously upsetting when people are like, w- are you going to have a kid? Like, you do not know someone's circumstances. No, and the, sec- and the second we got married, by the way, we've been married for not even two years, but the second we got married, it was like, when are you guys having kids? When are you guys having kids? When they you guys have having no kids? idea. And the other thing, to sort of go back to your point, where people are like, you don't understand mm-hmm. what it's like. And as a woman, you probably have noticed this, that a lot of my girlfriends are ha- starting to have kids. And 60% of them, suddenly, as soon as the baby pops out, their time is more important than mine mm-hmm. because they have children. It's like, that was your choice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That doesn't, that's how you choose to spend your time doesn't mean I have to bend mine around Yeah, yeah. to hang out with you all the time. Yeah. It's true. I, I mean, I think that there's... I think there's um, selfish people on every side of everything. Because I also True. have a lot of mom friends who are, I feel like, are almost embarrassed by any of that stuff. When they're yes. like, oh, God, I'm so sorry. I have to pick up my kid. I'm so, I, I know yes. your time is important. Your time is important. Yes. And I'm like, no, it's okay. I understand you have other people to think about. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's anytime it swings too far in, in either, either direction. direction. Yes. But I will say another weird thing is I have some mom friends who treat me like their bad friend. So they'll call me up and be like, I want to get drunk and smoke cigarettes. And I'm like, I don't even (laughs) smoke. They're like, yeah, (laughs) you're funny. Let's do it, girl. And I'm like, like, I'm watching Making a Murderer at 9 p.m. I don't know. I have to get up for work. Yeah. And they're like, yeah, let's rage. I'm like, what happened to you? I got a babysitter. I'm like, okay, well, (laughs) let's not destroy my life. Or they'll be the ones that I'm like, oh, I'm not sure if I should text this guy back. They're like, do it. And I'm like, oh, that's bad advice. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. No, you don't remember what this is like. Yeah. I promise you, this is a bad choice. Yeah, you're yeah, giving me I bad advice because you're bored. Yeah, I talked to a married girlfriend that I hadn't spoken to last night in like a year, and she's saying, "How are things?" I'm like, "Good, you know, whatever, doing comedy." I'm like, "Your kids look great on IG. You know, you seem mm-hmm. like you're great. Doesn't everything look good on IG?" Uh, I was just having an affair. Whoa! Wow. Like, that's wow. a lot. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I hope I didn't like uh, ruin my, you know, your picture of me or whatever. I was like, no, not at all. Did I tell you I'm going to be coming to your town pretty soon? And she's like, when? Oh, my God. <laughs> and I was just like, sorry, just didn't tell. But good to know I got a shot. I plan with her. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a little bit. But it's like. Yeah, man. I, I, and it inspired me to do more research on that topic mm-hmm. last night. And they're saying that the average age, or not age, but the average time of marriage before an affair is about the time she's been married, which is oh, like seven years. years. That's eight, the, yeah, the, the seven-year seven itch. Yeah. Really? Yeah, that's, oh, what, that's, that's what the plot of that movie is? Yeah. 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 Well, that's that's oh, the expression wow. is the seven-year itch. Is that oh, seven years? Oh, shit. You? But yeah, the, 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 movie, the movie title is probably more famous than the expression at this point. Yeah, I remember <laughs> the yeah. poster. True. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's yeah. The, uh, the, the skirt being Come blown on. up. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, it's uh, good times. <laughs> I'm almost two years in. I'll let you guys know in five mm-hmm. how that's going. Best but of yeah. luck. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. yeah. So um, what do you got new coming the way of the fans and yeah. um, enemies and all of that? I yeah. recorded an album, so hopefully that'll be coming out pretty soon. 
Um, we're still editing it. And I'm adding some different fun little things to it. Um, I just finished working on a, uh, <laughs> well, that's like day job stuff. I finished working on a Christmas special for John Legend. So that's weird. Um, but that'll what be fun. What were you doing on that? I was a head writer. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. That is nothing to frown about. You yeah. say that very like. No, it's just oh, like, just is that, does that apply to what we're talking about here? But, but yeah, yeah, no, it totally it, does. You know, I mean, one of the things in living in L.A. is the, um, a lot of I think you kind of mentioned this that um, a lot of comics are getting writing jobs or yeah. looking for writing jobs but a lot of times also once you get those it's so tiring it's very hard to do stand up still totally so you really have to push and find the energy and prioritize it if it if it's something that is worthwhile to you mm-hmm. so otherwise people will just sort of set it aside and you be comfortable find being a writer harder than being a stand up I don't think harder but it de- there's only you only have so much energy in the day right yeah, yeah. and so are you going to pour it into stand up or are you going to pour it into writing and if you have to pour it into writing cuz that's your day job and you have to show up that's yeah. like a little Yo, left if you o- don't have kids you pour that shit into both right <laughs> well yeah but i mean but again you only have so much no, so no, like I, know. I got i got a little i got fewer cookies in the sleeve of cookie yeah. to give to the stand up yeah. if you subscribe to your, cookie your thought your brain gets t- i also yeah. write <laughs> as a day job oh, okay yeah so you your brain gets very really gets worn out like totally worn out what happens to me when they're like those periods where you have to write a lot in a day is i just stop writing new stand-up jokes for like months at a time it's mm-hmm. terrible and i'll go and i'll perform but i'm like doing these bits and i'm like mm-hmm. i'm over these but i just don't have the mental energy mm-hmm. right now yeah yeah and you're trotting out old stuff yeah, and, and especially and if you're a head writer and you're in charge of a team so you're also probably reading a lot of other people's stuff mm-hmm. too right mm-hmm. yeah yeah and organizing things and put passing messages along. yeah you're, you're managing all over the place um and doing a lot of emotional management too because i feel like when you sure. work with writers you're w- my priority is the next day like leaving my writers in a position where they will be able to come in the next day and give me more ideas mm-hmm. so that's a lot of like oh this person seems like they're getting a little worn out or this person ah they've been getting bad notes on a lot of their ideas uh, I hope that's not weighing on them. We got to figure out some other some some assignments that'll tap people back into place. Right, right. It's weird it's a lot kind of, of emotional stuff. juggling. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So you did John Legend's Christmas special. So that means you were writing music as well. I wrote. Yeah, it's. Um, I guess, I don't know how much I can say about it, mm. but I did write a song for it, and that was very cool to have yeah. to write a little to song it. and then get a recording back with <laughs> John Legend singing stuff that I made up. That's so cool. Yeah, it's weird. So you're going to get all kinds of rights, and does that make you eligible to, I mean, let's go as far as saying, like, you can get nominated for a Grammy for that kind of thing. I could, but I won't, not for this song. Oh, I mean, not not, not a Grammy, for an, an Emmy, it was what, but yeah, I've, I've, I've done a lot of, as I said, my start was in musical improv, and so a lot mm-hmm. of my comedy work, especially my um, writing work, has been music-based, so I right. wrote a lot of songs for The Late Late Show, for James Corden, and... Um, for Funny or Die, and then I was head writer for uh, Drop the Mic. Um, so I've done a lot of, I've been in the the uh, publishing, what, I, don't, I don't know if they're unions, whatever, for yeah, a little yeah. while. Um, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's a nice little extra thing to be able to do. So it's not just, is it funny? It's, is it funny? And does it rhyme? Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. And is there a melody? Right. Yeah. And do you feel that sometimes, like, yes, it can be exhausting at times, but do you find that the writing helps your stand-up in that there are times where your brain is just like going so much that it's quicker for you to think of a joke or um I feel well the writing has helped my stand-up in I have bits that I have 
come up with in rooms and known were wrong for the show or wrong for that host totally. and been like, all right, you won't say this, but I'll say it. <laughs> right. It's right for me. And they've ended up being great bits. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like when I'm a writer, I'm, I'm sort of like a soldier for the show. Like it's not about what I think is funny as much as what is right for the show. Right. And should also be funny. <laughs> but because right. sometimes you'll, people will be like, but it's funny. And like, well, even if it's funny, if it's not in this guy's voice right. or this girl's voice, mm-hmm. they're not going to use it. Right. Tone is important. Exactly. But those little things I'm like, well, but Eliza can use it if it's in my yeah. voice. I'll just put that in my little back pocket and trot it out and see if that works. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Well. We want to thank you for joining us. And before we get out of here, we want to make one announcement. The D.C. Draft House, November the 8th, 8 o'clock. Me and Adrian Rodney have our show, No Pulp Comedy. Headliner Lafayette Wright, some other great comics on it that night. It's free. Come through. Support. Um, And where can they get at you, Eliza, on Twitter or whatever? I'm at Eliza Skinner on Twitter. And on Instagram, I'm at eSkins. Because why not be complicated? Of course. (laughs) And you can find us at CounterCurrents on Twitter, Instagram, and our fan page on Facebook. Like us. And I wish we had an event to give you free tickets for this week, but there'll probably be something on the docket by this coming weekend. So like us, and we'll put you in the, you know, abstract raffle. Yeah, we won't won't forget you. We'll pull that out. And it's yours. Three free yeah. pairs of tickets. Hey, thanks so much again on yeah, short sure. notice. We yeah. really appreciate it. It's been great. Uh, I'm Petey Steele. I'm Elena Torres. And thank you again. You're welcome. Peace. Have a good day. Yep.